Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. It is uh, Thursday coming up on a holiday weekend uh, rather rapidly. Big, big moves to be made soon enough as well for both the Colorado Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets. We'll start with the Avs, who made a series of trades this week, Sandy. We've talked about them on the program here and adding Ryan Johansson for Alex Galchenyuk, a player that uh, did not play for them any significant amount of time, and then adding, of course, Ross Colton from the Lightning, a player that at least coming into this season appears to be an upgrade from the man they traded him for but when they swapped restricted free agents in Alex Newhook. Despite Newhook's uh, first-round pedigree, the truth of the matter is that as it stands coming into this fall, Colton probably fits a little bit more of what they need. And so I, I look at the Avalanche now and talked about this. If you happen to catch uh, Fox 31 or Channel 2 last night, join them on Colorado Sports Night. Aaron uh, Anderson, who we hear on this program sometimes, and Taylor Kilgore, who we're going to hear on this program more and more. About the abs and looking at the lines, let me run them by you what at least this I'm thing looking is going to be a finance. And um, let me see what you think here. The top line, presumably at the moment, and this is very, very loose Lekin and McKinnon and Randon, no surprise there. The second line, you know, that Johansson is likely to center it. That's what Chris McFarland explained. Saw him as a top six and talked about Colton as more of a, a guy that can fill different spots. So Johansson, Nachushkin, presumably expected to be back. And then, at the moment, we've both agreed that it makes sense since they freed up some money, and they will have more money on the first when Gabe Landeskog's $7 million contract goes to the long-term injured reserve and the Avs can afford it, to maybe bring Evan Rodriguez back to play on that second line. He's an unrestricted free agent, but we know there's a fit. The third line would then be Colton and O'Connor. And then you suggested earlier in the week, perhaps even re-signing Andrew Cogliano there. The fourth line... Is interesting. You do have restricted free agents in Ben Myers and Dennis Malgan. I, I don't know how uh, impactful they would be. They added Frederick Olofsson, by the way, who's 27, and looks like it might be time to give him a crack on that bottom line. But you're looking at needing a couple spots on the bottom, on that fourth line for sure. You'd have to return free agents of your own in Rodriguez and Cogliano to fill out the second and third, but at least on the offensive forward lines. The Avs are caught dead. They're set down the middle with McKinnon, Johansson, and Colton. To me, what struck me from the NHL draft last night is the fact that one of the rare times, four consecutive centers went off the board to start the draft in the first round. That shows you what kind of priority NHL teams are putting on that position. It's notable, then, that the Avalanche made two trades to shore up so their first three lines have a clear center already in place. And they drafted someone last night in... Callum Ritchie out of the Ontario Hockey League, the Oshawa Generals, who is considered a center. He's also 18 mm-hmm. years old and will be playing next yeah, year. He's not going to be playing on the Oshawa. Avalanche for sure. Right. Right. He'll be back with the Generals next year. But in two or three years, who knows? Maybe he's the next Joe Hansen on the second line. We'll see. You certainly hope with those those first rounders that they can come somewhat quickly. Uh, obviously, you know, 18, who knows. But let, let me give you oh, the folks. Okay. Who, we're not talking about next year. Right. We're talking about two or three years. I'm just saying. Yeah. When Johansson retires um, or moves on, uh, the Avalanche have 
someone I think who is capable of being at some point in his early 20s an NHL center. Over at ESPN, Kristen Shilton broke down at Callum Ritchie, uh, obviously spending a little more time watching the uh, Oshawa Generals than I do. And she wrote, the Avalanche might have another sleeper hit on their hands with Richie. Right. The 18-year-old worked through a shoulder injury last season that limited his game, but still produced at a point per pace or point per game pace with Oshawa. Richie is a smart player, anticipates an opponent well, reacts accordingly and quickly to make something happen for his team or himself. When healthy, there aren't a ton of gaping holes in his skill set. He could give Colorado down the road that far outpaces where Richie was ultimately selected in this draft. Uh, that's obviously what you're looking for. When you're looking at a draft pick at 27, you'd want a guy that's not only going to make the NHL eventually, but potentially be an impact player as he grows. Yeah, it's hard to project stardom for him, but that he played last year with a bad shoulder, still was point dislocations, still averaged a point a game, 59 points, 59 games, 24 goals, 35 assists. Uh, He has in certain areas, the technique of an NHL player. Uh, Smart plays the 200-foot game. Uh, Again, stays with Oshawa next year, but was probably, if you're into best player available, uh, that's probably a good way to start in looking at why the Avalanche chose this player, who probably, before this past season was regarded as an upper half of the first round Mm -hmm. selection. The shoulder injuries, uh, the games missed, uh, drove his stock down into the 20s, but I haven't read or heard from anyone who has suggested that uh, this is anything other than a very solid pick, as was uh, uh, the Russian defenseman, uh, they took several picks later, yeah, also in the first round, the yeah. second to last pick of the first round. Both these guys are 18. They're not going to be playing for the Avalanche anytime soon, maybe in two or three years, maybe. But I think you can expect at least as much from Callum Ritchie as you got from Alex Newhook and maybe a little bit more as his frame fills out. He's six foot two. Right. So already, at age 18, 6'2", and 185, uh, you're has, has a guy room. who could be 6'2", 6'3", uh, by the time he hits his early 20s, and way close to 200 pounds, maybe even a little more than that. Uh, he's a guy I've actually heard of, Yeah, and there are plenty of clips on him. Uh, there was a review uh, uh, by The Athletic done by someone who actually did a feature piece mm-hmm. on Richie, knows him a little bit. Uh, earlier in the year, before the season started, when there was speculation. Well, he's, he's one of those that guys that's interesting, right, pick. because right. of the injury. Otherwise, he would have been a, presumably a much higher pick. And that that is an interesting... interesting and you're, what you're talking about, Sandy, I think is a really interesting point. The abs, and, and keep in mind, two years, uh, let's, let's say, and you don't presume a guy that's 18 is going to make the NHL at 20, but Alex Newhook did as a first-rounder. That's when he got to the abs at the age of 20. So not impossible... Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And in that regard, you're still looking at an avalanche team that will have Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton and still as uh, presumably uh, very effective players that are still maybe entering the tail end of their prime. So what you're looking for is 
maybe to a certain extent, stardom would be great. But you're looking for a floor that you can count on. This this can be an NHL player in a couple of years that can augment our core, even though the core will be, you know, two years older. I think Richie fits that very, very well. And when you look at the other pick, the defenseman uh, Mikhail Guyev out of Russia, uh, played for uh, Ohms Jr. out there, an interesting selection because even when he was picked, the commentators on ESPN pointed out that were he larger than his 5'10", 172 frame, he'd be a top five selection. Right. Here's what Sheldon wrote about Guyev. Colorado selected an underli- undersized blue liner, but with the 18-year-old lax in that respect makes up for it in other aspects of his well-rounded game. Goyev is a great skater. He's got good cap control, doesn't shy away from challenging opponent of any size. Goyev has a strong stick and creates turnovers, which makes him dangerous at both ends of the ice. He put up two goals and 25 points in 22 games last season with Russia's Omsk Jr. And Colorado can take his time helping Goyev keep growing into himself amid their stockpile of defensive prospects. Now, he will not grow to be 200 pounds. However, the Avalanche have a history of drafting defensemen under six Understand. feet. Right. It's a history that doesn't go back to Patrick Waugh because if Patrick Waugh were somehow still the coach of the Avalanche, they never would have made this pick. Patrick Waugh felt defensemen should weigh at least 200 pounds, at least 200 pounds. Uh, Patrick would have wanted no part of Samuel Girard, uh, probably not so much Kale McCarr even. Bowen Byram at the beginning. Look, not all these guys. McCarr, Byram, and Gerard are all under six feet and under two hundred pounds. All of them. What you what you get out of them is skating. And and by the way, you can Devon Taves comes in at six one in height, but weighs one hundred ninety. So what you're getting is skating, the ability to move in space, and you don't necessarily need to play a game. Uh, The the style of game the the Avs play is not necessarily. Go Rob Blake style and hip check guys. That's great. Certainly a way you can win, but it's not really as as much of a fit in the modern NHL. You're looking for guys who can skate and contribute. And at, at bare minimum, it is less about putting bodies on guys in defense and closing off passing lanes and making sure that you can close quickly. What you're trying to do, especially with a goaltender that has good lateral movement, like Alexander Georgiev has, is basically work to Georgiev's strengths. Where does Georgiev feel comfortable blocking shots from? As a defenseman nowadays, this is what a lot of teams do with their goaltenders. You go ahead and you clear out the spaces where the goaltender is uncomfortable, and you allow, there's there's a gap somewhere, there always are, where it ends up being. Now, when you look about a, a goaltender like, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the the Avs, of course, lost to the one with the Kraken that moved on uh, a little bit ago. But look, he liked... Being able to block shots that were directly, he didn't like traffic in front of him. What he liked is to have shots uh, that he could see that from that slot. The problem with that, of course, is when you're taking shots from the slot, you have given the, the shooter the best possible option, and that's where the, they want to be. In Grubauer's case, he was one of those guys that was okay taking shots from the slot because that's where he could see it and he was more comfortable. That's not preferred. And so the ability to, to just move guys around and steer them into areas, it's look, it's more like herding cattle than it is just putting guys on the ground anymore. And to do that, you need speed and skating ability, especially in small spaces. So for the Avalanche, guys like Makar, guys like Gerard, guys like Byram, and guys even like Taves, that's the kind of skater that the Avs have had success with. You add a guy like Goyev to it in a couple years, He's not going to get to 200 pounds, but an 18-year-old, he might be 5'11", 190, which puts him uh, around the same size as most of the Avs defensemen, fits right in. 
I, I like the fact in the clips I saw that he can walk the blue line. He's a potential power play point man. Yeah, 22 um, assists, 25 games. He's He's got really, really good hands uh, and, and some nice moves. So he has vision. Uh, saw some clips. And again, I, I, I'm looking at the competition. And if I'm not mistaken, as opposed to Major Junior and the college game, I'm not talking so much about skill level. I'm talking about the age of the people against whom he competes. They're men. You are they're, correct. They're adults. You're, you're correct. And, in that. And, and and that's not to say they're qualitatively better. But it's, but it's not a junior league. You're, it, it, you've got an 18-year-old kid playing against guys who are five or six years older than he is, and maybe more than that, on a routine basis. So he ain't scared. No. Okay? And in the clips I saw, yes, uh, there's some puck watching. Uh, there is, at times, uh, a, a lack of strength that's fairly evident. But again, we're talking about an 18-year-old kid. And when you've got good hands and you've got vision and you've got skill, it, it's it's a swing and a pretty big one by the avalanche, but it's at the end of the first round, and the avalanche, as you've outlined, have defensemen who are just like him, and they know how to develop defensemen of his physique. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Uh, they, they, know, they know how to do it. Uh, he is said by some to be the most talented defensive prospect in a draft. Yes, I've heard that, that rather consistently. doesn't mean he's the best defensive prospect. It means he's got raw talent, things you can't teach. And with the right kind of coaching and development, I think, again, in, in two or three years, and maybe it's Samuel Girard himself, mm -hmm. who by then is someone perhaps you're looking to move on from and replace him with someone like this. I, I do like the, uh, I like the selections. I do think the avalanche tried to probably flip one of them, but instead they went ahead and got guys that uh, would have otherwise perhaps, Richie's injury, pretty, pretty decisive. Or Goyea's size, yeah. guys that would have gone higher in the first round. These yeah. were both first rounders, yeah. so that's, that's uh, and, pretty significant. And, and, and both could have gone. I, I mean, I, I look at uh, some of the evaluations from people who really follow this stuff. And uh, with Goyev, uh it was kind of in that eighteen to twenty-two range in the first round. And with Richie, it, it was, I think, a, even a little bit higher than that. Now, again, the shoulder injuries for an 18-year-old kid can be problematic, but he did have surgery, and he's not going to be taking maybe as much of a pounding uh, next year. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, whether you're listening, Sean, you can do this as well, but the Oshawa team he played on last year, for lack of a better term, without getting overly technical, stunk. It is supposed to be better this year. He will be playing on a better team in Oshawa this year than he did last year 
with or without the injuries, the team wasn't any good. So the Avalanche obviously add a, a couple of players here to the players they added earlier in the week in Johansson and Colton. Now, Johansson and Colton, of course, will help the NHL team. At this point, Richie and Goyeyev will help the system. But it is a system that it does need some restocking. And in theory, if these guys are yes, both given the, the least. ability. And again, what we're seeing uh, with both players, especially in Goyeyev's case, but with Richie as well, is good hockey IQs. Guys that understand yes. their roles. Yes. And, and the truth that of the matter is... That reminds you of the Nuggets draft. Right. When you see bit. an 18-year-old, and I, I think a lot a, a lot of Richie, I think it's only the, the injury that knocked him down. So I think for the Avs, that's a good a good gamble. I think in Goyeyev's case, when you see a defenseman who's got a good head for the game, head for the game, at 18, that's a good sign. Because you're not having to worry about teaching this guy uh, when he's supposed to dive into the play, when he's not. When he's supposed to be aggressive physically, when he's not. Everything that, that uh, the, the observers who have seen him play consistently believe that he's already got that mentality. So for the Avs, uh, this is a guy that you basically just let him grow into his body, let him get his game right, and, and see what you've got a little bit later. But you don't have to get back to teaching either of these guys the basics. They're not raw athletes. They are hockey players. Uh, absolutely, and I and there's a difference. You know, Goyaev is is a guy who could be, I think, electrifying. It would not a surprise me if he came watch. quickly. Put it that way. You know, I I I just think from some of the clips I saw, wow, uh, he he can go. He accelerates from a standing position. Pretty quickly. Like I said, if he weighed 190, he would have been a top five pick. Oh, I, I, (laughs) yeah, I'm guessing top five at worst, top 10. Had he been, you know, whatever, 20 pounds. Kill McCarr's 5'11, 185. Right. Relax. Now, I I, I think (laughs) he's not Kale McCarr. Don't get me wrong. He is a little thicker and his strength is uh, developed over a period of time, but I'm, I like this pick. Uh, Talented defensemen who are 18 years old and have this kid's gifts, they're hard to find. I get the front line. I understand all the excitement about this, but I will contend, and I think a lot of hockey observers will say the same. I bet you will too, Sandy. The Avs' strength that won them the Stanley Cup a little over a year ago, the, their strength compared to every other team in the league is they had the best defensive core there was. When you're talking about an offensive yes. and defensive group, because, they had the best defensive core in the league. Again, That's why they won the cup. Without piling on any more than I did two years ago, it, suffice to say they did not have the best goaltending, but they were the best defensive team in the league. And I, I agree with you, particularly when Manson was acquired and after a period of adjustment, let's call it, was excellent in the playoffs, provided some abrasiveness, some belligerence, uh, aggressiveness. You build one or two guys uh, onto your defense core, and I'm not making a forecast here, but they did see this player's name on the unrestricted free agency list, and it brought back some good memories. Former Av by the name of uh, Ryan Graves. Yes. Uh, Wouldn't plus he be minus a nice at one point? defenseman. I would be indeed. Want to know what you think? 303-831-1340 is the number. We have uh, Dave on hold to talk about the as We'll get to him next on Miley Sports.
Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Want to go uh, to Dave on the phone. has been waiting there. We'll let you know whether with the Avalanche, uh, the, the draft, of course, continues. The Avs ended up picking in the uh, their final three picks, pick 155. Overall, they select defenseman uh, Nikita Ishman. Pardon me on this one. Ishminikov. Ishminikov. There we go. They're actually phonetic Russian names. So you just have to go slow. <laughs> Ishminikov. Uh, Jeremy Hanzel, defenseman at 187. And Maros Jedlika out of Slovakia with the 219th selection. Uh, so going again uh, with their five draft picks. Center, mm-hmm. defense, 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 center. Kind of shows where the Avs uh, believe that they need to stock things up. And not a surprise given the fact that uh, they had found themselves trading away a lot of their talent uh, going forward. So uh, Shminikov uh, in Russia, we talk about a little more of the, the bigger style, six foot three, one ninety four, uh, 18 years old. The Avs are expecting him to stay in Russia as it stands right, right now. Uh, they'll trail transition over to, you know, North American hockey in a bit. Uh, Hanzel uh, was more of a, a, the late round option. There's six foot one, one ninety six, uh, 48 points in 66 games. Uh, for the Seattle Thunderbirds, but the crazy part is the uh, plus 70 on the season in 48 games. Uh, that's bonkers. Hanzel can immediately go to the AHL if he wants, so you could actually send him straight to the Eagles if that's the way they want it to go. The final pick, uh, Jedlika will be 21 in the fall, six foot two, 198, uh, two-way forward. You can play on the on the center or wing. Uh, it depends on what the Avs plan to do with him immediately. Are they going to leave him? Uh, over there a bit, or at 21, do they want to try to bring him over and, and put him in their system? We will see. But those are the picks. Uh, this is your program, like we said, 303-831-1340 is the number, and we'll go to that and talk to Dave. How's it going, Dave? Going well, guys. I like the game getting puck-moving defensemen. The game, to me, is it, it's about scoring goals and playing fast now. I mean, people live in the past of, you know, throwing it in there and beating people off the puck. The game is about puck possession. And that's what the Avs try to do. It didn't work out as successful last year just because I think their lineup wasn't as good due to injuries mostly. Yeah, Dave, I think you're right. I think, you know, you have to look at the injuries. I, I still contend that the Avs would have had a legitimate shot at retaining the cup had they been healthy. Obviously, they were nowhere near healthy and even had issues that were off ice in the Jewish case that really derailed the team. But you're right. You know, the avalanche uh, to prioritize that and they prioritize that with their defensemen. And uh, historically you can go all the way back to the, uh, the very first team and look at a Sandus Ozilich. I mean, this is kind of in the right. Avs DNA to, to bring these puck moving defensemen who can contribute on the power play and finding themselves, uh, you know, being able to chop into the plays when necessary, as long as you can still be disruptive on the defensive end, if not physical. Well, I, I think you need you need a balance of you know Manson wasn't very good in the playoffs. In fact, he was awful. Well, he was he was hurt. He, he was, hurt. was playing. Yeah, he right. was playing. Yeah, hurt. Just, he didn't yeah play. okay, whatever. But he didn't play well. Right. I mean, I mean, he's trying so to play through injury though. Well, he, right, he was right, playing right. with an injury. Had, either had to bring Brad Hunt up or put in. Uh, well, they had Brad Hunt not even dressed out as a defenseman, but as a forward in Game Seven, right. if you remember. Yeah, that's how so, I mean, that's how 
ravaged they were by injury. But in any case, that you know, some years you're healthy, some years you're not. Right. Uh, they were banged up in the playoffs two years ago and won the Stanley Cup. Right. Um, they had eight broken bones in the last the, the year they won the cup. Right. Right. You're not gonna. So, you're not gonna get through it. You, you would hurt. guess that they'd be more fortunate with respect to injuries, but uh, it, there are guys who have not really played. We talked about Bo Byram. Uh, as talented as he is, as much as we love him, he's got to play in more games. At least during the regular exactly. season, he's got to play more. And he's going to get paid prior to that because he's a restricted I mean, free agent. He's going to get paid though. I, I mean, um, not the. I mean, he had a great year, but really. McCarr's got to play better. Oh, I agree and with he, that, too. I, I mean, and, know, and he's just, another he really one. Does. You know, we had a variety of injuries, including a concussion. Yeah. And anybody right. who gets concussed, uh, you know, Not from the, the doctors I've talked to, you aren't really the same for at least a month. And emphasis on at least. Recoveries from concussions are tricky because they're not linear. It's not like a... It's not like a broken bone. It's not like, you know, it will heal over a span of time if you just leave it be. The concussions aren't linear. It's still sort of a, a science that we're exploring. But certainly, you know, McCarr, uh, it's amazing we're complain- complaining about it. McCarr got 66 points in 60 games. But the truth of the matter is he's actually. No, he's not as dynamic. He's good enough to be better than that, for sure. And uh, you hope that improved health and, and the fact that you are, Sandy's alluded to it, there's concern in losing some of your more durable players. For example, JT Comfort. Uh, losing some of that durability is an issue. Uh, you bring in Johansson, whose durability is in question. The one thing about Ross Colton is, at least since joining the league, uh, he's he hard plays. to get out of a game. Yeah, yeah, he plays. I would, th- I would think going forward, like you said, they need more out of Bo Byram. I, I also thought that, uh, um, you know, the other defenseman, the other small guy, I can't think. Gerard, of his name. Gerard, Gerard, yeah, Gerard wasn't as good either. Uh, I, I thought Gerard was pretty I, I good might, last year. I might quibble with that a yeah. little bit. Uh, I, I, just, I thought I just, the first half of the season was a bit of a struggle. Uh, again, coming off, you know. Broken sternum? Yeah, broken sternum, Ugh. for goodness sake. Thank you, no. It took him a while to get going. Uh, he started using, I think, a longer stick, as I recall. Yep, and that's uh, a, and a little that bit of a change. seemed to help him uh, some. He was not uh, great, certainly, in the playoffs, but I didn't think he was bad. I, I mean, I think... It, it, there were certain players, Gerard and uh, Georgiev come to mind, who who weren't great, could have been better, but weren't bad either. And uh, to me, if if there was a goat, it's Valery Nashushkin, who for whatever reason more or less excused well, himself that's the thing. from the playoffs. There, there's no excuses for, the, for, the, for getting yourself bounced for off ice. That's the part. There's no excuse. Injuries happen. The rest of it happens. And, right, and Nachushkin's right. return will be one of the more interesting things to watch for the Avalanche. How is that accepted? Uh, now, we don't know. We saw a similar thing with Nazem Kadri the year, the year prior, getting himself in trouble. And, and the idea of him returning seemed almost farcical. He comes back, and he's a major cog in the Stanley Cup winning team. So, the Avs have shown that apparently if you come back with the right approach and humility that this team will uh, give you another shot at it and, and you can be embraced. So we'll find out with Nachushkin. But uh, what do you look at it, Dave, when you're looking at it today? What do you want to see the Avalanche add in the free agency period that starts in just a couple days? Uh, to me, it's adding depth in the third and fourth line. I agree with you on that. I, 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 I think that, that. I think that's... That's where they, um, Logan O'Connor, 
needs to play on the fourth line and be mm. Logan O'Connor. Mm. You can't expect Logan O'Connor to go out there. This is my and score goals. But if Logan O'Connor can go out there and disrupt things, you know, J.K. Comper playing on the third line. He's an awesome third line center. But you're asking an awful lot of him to be a second line center. Well, well he's, he's going to be a second line center be, for somebody else. He'll be a second line center for somebody, and right. probably at a considerably higher wage than uh, he's been making with the Avalanche. But yes, I I think you're right, and uh, you know, some guys uh, progress and become players that aren't necessarily going to dazzle you. Uh, I I think O'Connor playing with Colton, two guys who fought a couple of times in the Stanley Cup final yeah. two years ago, they're very likely to be line mates. I like and that. I have yeah. I have no I problem there. if you've got a twenty goal score as the center on a line. Logan O'Connor is fine getting his eight to ten goals and maybe a couple of shorties. That's okay. Uh, he kills penalties. He's an effective defensive player. He can skate. He has speed. Yeah. No, he's not a 20-goal scorer. So what? You, you've yeah. got people who can score. And I understand yeah. that by the end of last year, uh, for reasons of injury and uh, unexplained absence, they were a one-line team. We, it, it, it was it, and maybe not even that. Maybe it was two-thirds of a line. McKinnon and Rantanen, that was it. And if they weren't scoring – or McCarr and Taves weren't scoring, they didn't score because they weren't getting any offense from anybody else. And and they were they were uh, a fluke goal away from being, in my opinion, the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> when it bounces off a guy's what it was his hand, right, and goes in, they beat the Kraken. I think they beat the Stars. Uh, well, unfortunately, we'll never know, but they're trying I mean, to rebuild we'll for know. now. I mean, let me let me ask I mean, you one more question, Dave, before we, yeah. uh, we let you go, because I'm curious about this. Uh, let me run by. We, we, we're going to make the assumption here that, uh, you know, Bowen Byram is going to get signed, that JT Comfer is moving on. So let me ask you about some of the other Avs free agents and tell me which one you think, and we know they're moving on from Eric Johnson, is the biggest priority. And uh, Evan Rodriguez, Andrew Cogliano. Jack Johnson, do you want them all back? Do you want one of them back? What What would your choice would, be with those three unrestricted? Uh, I would take Evan Rodriguez. I thought he played great. I thought he was kind of the heart and the soul, kind of going into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think Rodriguez I might have tremendous. a larger role to play than Cogliano, but I love Cogliano. Even, even as uh, a the bright liner. side is you might be able to get all three of these guys back because of the way their age, the age works out and the salaries work out, but Rodriguez is going to take some commitment. Uh, not something outlandish, but some commitment. Uh, you know, Jack Johnson, they were able to get off the scrap heap, so presumably if you wanted him back, you, know you could get him. And I thought Jack Johnson played pretty well. Uh, we like Jack playoffs. Johnson over here, too. I thought in the playoffs he was Plays he well was for the Avalanche. Good. I thought he, I thought Plays he played well with, with the ability he is. Yeah. Well, we will find out soon enough. Thanks, uh, yeah. Dave. I mean, uh, thanks. free agency is exciting, so uh, thanks, guys. No, it we'll is. Thanks, Dave. There. Appreciate we'll, it. Thanks we'll for listening. We'll see what turns out to be there. Good call, by the way. Excellent call. Uh, back and forth. Good Knowledgeable call. guy. And uh, be like Dave. You anybody. know, we, we, we can, uh, we can quibble. Uh, uh, you know, we're talking about an opinion show here yeah. and we're not always going to see things uh, in the same way, but I, I'm, I'm in, I'm impressed by how aggressive the avalanche have been 
prior to July 1st. I, I, I think I especially I, when you saw I the draft go center, it, center, center, center. Look, centers are being round, prioritized. Two first-round picks. You started with one. Yep. You ended up with two. You use a third early second-round pick to get Colton. Well, I think it's terrific acquisition. I mean, you got Colton and the 31st for New Hope. And uh, Johansson, Nothing. I think, will be fine depending on how you surround him. And if Shushkin's part of that line. I like it. If you brought Rodriguez back. more or less okay. And you put Rodriguez, Rodriguez and Nachushkin on either side of Johansson. You know, you can have Blackman drop down. Sure. It, you, you've got a lot of options. You can even have Rent and drop down. They, mm-hmm. they, they did that in the playoffs, I think, with some uh, sense of desperation because they, they knew they couldn't win with just one line. But you're right. And they were trying to make the second line a scoring line. And it never really Lekinen, developed, although Ranton was terrific. Lekinen, Rantanen, Rodriguez, and Achushkin all played on both of the top two lines at some point. All four of them did. So there is some flexibility there for Jared Bednar where they to bring back Evan Rodriguez, who uh, I think is a good fit. Obviously, I've been a, a Rodriguez fan for a while. I, I think quite a bit of his uh, sort of malleability as a player. I think that is, has an advantage to the abs, but certainly we will find out in short order, because when it's an unrestricted free agency, um, you lose the control over it. For a restricted free agents, of course, Ross Colton is one. The Avs will get something done. The rest, uh, in in order of guys maybe played as, as much time as they did, Dennis Malgan, Ben Myers, Sam Ranta. At one point, one of the Avs' top prospects has not really kind of lived up to that. At this point now, already hits restricted free agency, so maybe up in the air there. Mikhail Maltsev, who was added uh, last year, did not quite uh, break much as well. Uh, Boehm Byron will get signed, as we know. Uh, Eustace uh, Annanen, also one of the prospects there, restricted free agent. I presume, because it's pretty pretty slim pickings back there, that, that he would get signed, but you're hitting restricted free agency, you don't know. Ryan Merkley uh, popped on briefly the Avs, uh, the word out uh, of uh, the Avs camp today is that Merkley will be allowed to hit free agency. So one of those restricted free agents we know about, but there are some that have to be considered for the Avalanche. want to... Uh... Congratulate incoming DU freshman Sam Harris. Got drafted today in the fifth round by the Montreal Canadiens. Overall selection number 133. He's 19. He becomes the 129th pioneer to be drafted and stretches the program streak of having at least one player chosen to 22 straight years, dating back to 2002. So congratulations to DU and to, of course, Sam Harris, who will uh, get major ice time uh, next year. DU's got a lot to replace yeah. off uh, the 22-23 edition of the Pioneers. And uh, Harris out of uh, San Diego played for the San Diego Junior Gulls and the Anaheim Junior Ducks back in 17-18. And uh, the United States Hockey League star for Sioux Falls. And... Uh, Played three years at Shattuck St. Mary's Prep School, a famed uh, prep school for hockey players in uh, Fairbault, Minnesota. And as usual, you, you'll look down that roster for DU and uh, you'll see a lot of already drafted by. Draft yeah. rights belong yeah. to up and down not, the roster not an like extraordinary usual. extraordinary number, but it's always impressive. And this is an incoming freshman who's yet to play a college game and he gets drafted, yeah, drafted right in out. the top yeah. 150 by the Montreal Canadiens. All right. Well, good news for DU as well. 
Uh, we will have Kyle Fredrickson of the Denver Gazette join us in just a little bit for more on the abs, but the NBA, uh, the collective bargaining agreement will be in effect, signed yesterday by everybody involved, 676 pages. Uh, we will not go through all of them, but we will talk about the impact of the Denver Nuggets next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The NBA free agency period kicks off this week. Start negotiating with players, as a matter of fact, tomorrow. So it might as well really start tomorrow. Again, this is my favorite. They don't call it this. They haven't gotten as ridiculous as the NFL with the, the complete misnomer legal tampering, which is uh, not possible if it was legal then it's not tampering if it's tampering by default it's illegal so yes. i mean it's not really a thing but you can start to, the nba would got smarter about it and just said yeah you can just start negotiating with players that can happen tomorrow and the attention will be paid primarily to bruce brown uh, obviously for the denver nuggets who would love to get him back brown turned down a 6.8 million dollar player option the nuggets can offer him only 7.8 million uh, that's the maximum obviously he's going to be offered more than that the question is whether he wants to do so with the Nuggets. Now, were he to take that with the Nuggets, the Nuggets would then get his early bird rights, and then the season after next, so this time next summer, could sign a new deal starting at a minimum of $13.4 million, probably compensated a little more uh, in line of what he's done. But, you know, where will the Nuggets be at that point? And if you're Bruce Brown, do you want to wait? Because he's made $15 million in total in his career. Reports out of Dallas from Mark Stein was that Dallas was willing to offer him a multi-year deal at 15 per. Reports out of laughable reports. I mean, I, I get it. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I take, I'm not even going to pretend I won't. Every chance I can get to kick the Lakers when they're down, I'm going to do it. I'm also going to kick them when they're up. I, I'm going to kick the Lakers. But the, the, the arrogance of the news that broke last night from out of L.A., the Lakers are prepared to offer Bruce Brown the full mid-level exception, which would be one year, $12 million. Well, well gee, in this case, let's shoot the messenger. That's neat. Let's shoot the messenger. <laughs> it isn't the Lakers. It's the obsession with the Lakers that, the four-letter network. Seems yeah, you you really think that that I mean? Oh my it's gosh! The Lakers, who I'm sorry, didn't the Nuggets sweep your asses? And I'm just checking. So so Bruce Brown would want to leave the team that won the championship, that plowed through you guys for a one-year deal, and then have to do this all over again. Give me a break. That's not happening. Now, I think Bruce Brown is more likely now on his way out than with the Nuggets, but it ain't going to be to the Lakers for the mid-level exception. It's going to be to nobody for the mid-level exception. If he leaves, he's making more than that, and it's a multi-year deal, or he's not taking it. So, Lakers, get off yourselves for like five seconds. Yeah, well, again, it's not the Lakers. It's the media transmitting the message. Sorry, Lakers fans, whether you have a media badge or not, get off yourselves. It's it's all ESPN. I'm, I'm sorry. It is. Uh, they're, they're the people primarily responsible for driving it. And even people at ESPN rip the network all the time for thinking and talking only about the Lakers. And when the Lakers make legitimate news, they deserve to be covered. But 
you, you're talking about a, a mediocre team. Uh, an interest in that team is not nearly as great as ESPN. And by the way, they're going to have to self fulfilling. They have property. to pay too. Reeves, Austin Reeves is a restricted free agent, one of their actual good players. And he can sign a four-year, $53 million contract. That's probably what they're going to have to do because that's the max they can offer him. And right. uh, otherwise, you run the risk of, of having him go. Uh, Rui Hachimura got the $7.7 million qualifying offer. Right. So he's restricted. That's a guy you probably want back uh, as well. So, you know, this is a um, this is a challenge there. But watch the Lakers just go get, like, Kyrie Irving or something. I hope they do. They that, would be, that would be a they, Lakers thing to do. do that. You know, and and I I give Rob Palenka some credit. Uh, at the he trade reinvented deadline. that team at the trade he deadline. Didn't, he didn't bring in a lot of big names. Nope. In fact, he got rid of Russell Westbrook. Yep. Now, Russell Westbrook did all right with the Clippers, but they didn't go anywhere in the playoffs. And I thought he did what a smart GM would do in any sized market. He remade his team around guys who didn't need a lot of attention, didn't need a lot of shots in order to be effective. We're unselfish, and I think the, it, it, you know what's legitimate news around the Lakers? How they're going to respond to what, to me, seemed a fairly clear LeBron James broadside at Anthony Davis at the end of the year. Yeah, I'm not coming back with him. And now, he didn't say that explicitly, but he was very clear that the team around him had to get better, and given all the changes they had already made, he could only have been talking about one person. Because not many holdovers and left. That person he wasn't was talking Andy about Davis. Malik Beasley. He was fine. He, he was, wasn't talking about Austin Reeves. He was fine with Austin. He wasn't talking Reeves. about Hachimura. He was fine with Hachimura. He was fine with Schroeder. Uh, Schroeder, a free agent, by the way. You know, I guess. Maybe he's talking about D'Angelo Russell a little bit, but I thought he was mainly talking about Anthony Davis, and that's the only news that I care about hearing regarding the Lakers, their disposition regarding Anthony Davis. And to to bring him back, um, again, uh, more durable the last four years than Zion Williamson, but I can't think of another major NBA figure uh, who is more unreliable than Anthony Davis and he was he was embarrassed i thought truly embarrassed in that four game sweep it lebron wasn't the culprit lebron went 49 and 9 in game 4 anthony davis had some good numbers in a couple of games but was completely unable to compete whether it was aaron gordon or nikola jokic it didn't matter the matchup favored Denver in both cases. Gordon versus Davis, Jokic versus Davis. It didn't matter. The Nuggets were better off with either one than they were with uh, or would have been had they had Anthony Davis on their team playing against, forget about Jokic, even Aaron Gordon. That was a matchup that favored Denver the- throughout the series. Pure and simple. The, the, the Laker that I find kind of interesting, if Bruce Brown leaves, is one of their free agents that might be one of the fits if they have to replace, and that would be Lonnie Walker the fourth. 
who was yeah, an unrestricted you know, free agent. He played for Popovich. I thought Similar he was a, he size to came Bruce from Brown. San Antonio. Yeah, that might I, that might be a, a replacement. I like him. If, I, I think he's they have to go that more route. of an offensive player than a defensive player. But yeah, uh, there's uh, also you know, if you're looking for more scoring off the bench, mm-hmm. he could. And who knows? He's, he, score. he's rep, generally he's represented by Clutch Sports. Clutch Sports was the agency that LeBron James started with Maverick Carter, and um, as a result, the Clutch Sports guys tend to stay with LeBron. They they sign who they want, but. Uh, he is an unrestricted free agent, and uh, and we'll see how it goes. But it is it is really in this case just about what Bruce Brown does. But but that's the thing to note is that yes, he could take the seven point seven million this year, and then the Nuggets can sign him to a longer term deal. So if the Nuggets try to pitch it, and they most certainly have done so as a multiple year deal, uh, perhaps that's appealing. The problem is. It is not a multiple-year deal because you can't do a wink-wink, nod-nod, we-promise sort of thing. That's obviously against the CBA in every league. And the risk taken for Brown is that he either gets hurt, that's the worst outcome, or just has a subpar year, and then the Nuggets were to somehow change their mind. So if, if you're Bruce Brown, that's where the, the challenge is. I think Denver is an option for him to return. But if a team that has, an, has interesting pieces and seems to be on the come is offering him 15 million a year. That's pretty hard to say no to. And so I think uh, the Nuggets have to look at that. They understand that. That's why in the last three years, they've drafted seven players. They understand that they're going to have to get inexpensive. I want talking about their bench and they've done so. Uh, Jamal Murray can also get an extension this year. That's less to do with free agency. And as you can reasonably assume, it is uh, more or less a foregone conclusion that they will make something work there. But the Nuggets will have at the moment, uh, a little bit of money available because they have more than what's available to Brown. It's just that because of the CBA, that's all they can offer Brown. They have about 16 million under that second apron, which I do suspect they would like to uh, avoid. They are below the first apron at 6 million. Obviously the Nuggets are willing to exceed that because they would like to have Bruce Brown back. So yeah, yeah that's right. You'd assume that they they're like to avoid the second one, which only the, uh, the, the crazy slash bold, the, uh, the warriors and, and the, uh, you know, the, the the Suns are interested in, in doing. But they also do have a, a veteran minimum available, three different trade exceptions. The Nuggets yeah, have generally let right. those trade exceptions all expire. I can't remember the last time they used one, though they do have one of them for $9.1 million, which means they can take that much And the back. other the other ones are for 2.2, 1.9. They're small. Yeah. Yeah. The 9.1 is enough to make some, make some things happen if they want to go uh, that route. Obviously, if they get Bruce Brown back, uh, I think you're talking about that may end up being it. They may just re-sign their restricted free agents like, you know, a, a chonchar and just call it good. But the Nuggets, I think, are stuck in a holding pattern until they find out if Bruce Brown is taking an offer from another team. And that part is probably a little bit frustrating for Calvin Booth, who's been aggressive and focused on getting ahead of the league's curve in general. And I still think, with respect to this new CBA, they're ahead of the curve. They are. Uh, I, I don't Whether know Bruce of Brown any or other contending team that is in better position oh, with respect to the new CBA than the Nuggets are. They're not. There, there aren't any. You're exactly right. Uh, they, they've gotten ahead of this and, and picking three players who, who all could conceivably make this Nuggets roster on, on the bench. Experienced guys, older than normal guys coming out of, out of college, you know, that may be ready to go. But, yeah, for the Nuggets, it is all about Bruce Brown, wait and see. Obviously, uh, the two sides know each other. They do know what they want. It's a matter of finding out whether some other team simply makes Brown an offer 
uh, he can't refuse. And, and my, my guess is that somebody, that's the problem when you have that many teams, somebody does it. With the new CBA being the way it is, Sandy, I think people are going to be surprised at the, at the size of some of these shorter-term deals that some of these players are going to get. And I think that's why the Nuggets drafting so many players uh, makes a lot of sense because you're looking at adding some of those free agents in the NBA and you're thinking, okay, well, you know, there's some bargains in here. There's, there's some mid-range guys that are, that are free agents that won't cost you very much. Uh, the Bruce Browns of the world won't cost you $6 million like they did last year. Uh, they're going to cost you 10 to 12. That's, that's where these, these numbers are about to leap because now that the, it's not that teams can pay out less money necessarily, it's that the, the talent is going to now start being spread out across teams. And so a, a player like Bruce Brown, who's 26 and has maybe not a star, but a, but a reliable starter for a lot of teams in this league, there are teams that have plenty of cap space that will say, yeah, sure, 15, 16, 18 million. Why not? We have it to throw around. To them, he would be worth it. And so I think that's why it's going to be hard to get him back. But we'll find out. And if we hear a little bit more, we'll share it with you either today or tomorrow. As those we've, negotiations we've will start, this. I'm a little more optimistic well, now than you. Yeah, are. that is interesting. We have we have flipped on it, and uh, that is intriguing. Maybe we'll get back to that. But we do want to touch base on the Avalanche free agency coming up for the Avs. They've made two selections and a couple trades this week. A lot going on. What does it mean? Kyle Fredrickson of the Denver Gazette will join us to explain it on Miley Sports. The drink will flow and blood will spill, and if the boys want to fight, you better let them. 